everyone. Thank you so much again for joining us for this episode of We Are the Middle. Today, we have a special guest, my dear friend, Brittany Williams. Um, I'm giving Della a week off since she's been working so hard on the previous episodes. And so I'm having a guest co-host today. Brittany, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being willing to come on the show. We... It was a hard uh, task to try to figure out what we we're going to talk about because I feel like we could talk about 80 different things. <laughs> yes. But today, what I think we're going to do is to share a little bit of our stories and really cover the topic of privilege, which is something that's been going around that word. I feel like it's a buzzword these days. Like white privilege, this privilege, all this <laughs> privilege, privilege. <laughs> And so I want to take a little bit of a more intricate dive into what privilege looks like, because to be honest, like we all have privilege. Some of us know it, some of us don't, some of us have more of it than others. Um, it can mean different things to different people. And so I would love for us to just cover that topic and share more of how our stories are, you know, either, you know, have privilege or, you know, some places that we are lacking in. Yeah, so one thing that we had a fun time doing this week is I sent Brittany the BuzzFeed uh, quiz that talks about how privileged are you. And if you haven't seen it yet, you can find it on the internet. That's Google BuzzFeed um, privilege quiz. And uh, it was a very interesting uh, <laughs> thing to do. Brittany, what, I'm curious, what did you score on the quiz? Um, well, first I scored not privilege at all. And then I'm like, okay, I have to tell Joy we have to do a different topic. And then I realized, cause I did the whole quiz wrong. So make sure you pay attention. <laughs> um, I had like a senior moment, senior in my thirties moment where I was answering the questions in my head and not actually clicking them. So then I was left negating the whole thing. And I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. I have an education, obviously not Ivy league because <laughs> I don't have to take it. I don't know about <laughs> I took it again and I actually scored 50 out of 100. The 100 is um, the highest. And mm -hmm. I do have um, some privilege. And I will um, kind of spoiler alert for people who haven't taken this quiz. This is centered around you know the primary privileges that that's mostly out there that's talked about. So race privilege, gender privilege, mm -hmm. sexuality privilege, and um, you know, socioeconomic, yeah. and then also um it touches like on ableism and religion privilege. Yeah. And I was surprised um, when the quiz first came out, I think it came out maybe 2018, 2019. I thought when I was going through the questions, I was like, I'm, I'm going to get a really high score on this one. <laughs> I've actually had a privileged life. And then as I kept going through and through the quiz and then got my results, I was like, ooh, Okay, like that's very interesting. But also, I scored higher than a lot of my friends did as well. Um, and so that was very, very eye opening to me. For me, I scored a 48 out of 100. Um, and I thought, you know, as a black woman in America, just with some of the things I was able to have growing up and what, you know, what I've been able to accomplish, like, you know, I've lived a pretty privileged life, but then I forget about all, like Brittany mentioned, all the other privileges that I have 
I have, you know, had throughout my life that I don't really consider or think about. Right. And so I know people we're talking about race as a big conversation that's happening right now. And why I was really interested in this topic and I thought this quiz was interesting is because I'm asking people like, please just acknowledge, I'm not saying you're a bad person, but just acknowledge that this thing exists. And Mm. I know you don't, and there's a litany of excuses of like, no, it doesn't exist because I, you know, I'm struggling and, and I just felt like I'm asking people to do something that maybe I don't even do. So if I'm Mm -hmm. asking white people collectively to just, acknowledge that this thing exists whether you want to acknowledge that you participate in it or not just acknowledge that it exists maybe I should take a step back as I'm explaining to white people like there's all types of privilege we're only talking about race right now maybe let me look at the other types of privilege and do I actually benefit from some of these yeah and that's the thing about privilege is you don't really know how it affects you until you actually take a moment and step back and realize how many things you have access to or some of the things that you're able to do that, you know, we really, I truly take for granted in my day-to-day life. 100%. I I agree that privilege is not some, why it's so hard to confront it and reconcile it with when, within yourself is because it's not something that you can actively see. It's not a tangible thing. You don't know about it unless you don't have it, which I think mm-hmm. is why, like, when it comes to the subject of race, like, the people who don't have it, the minorities are like, hey, it exists, but the majority is like, what are you talking about? No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's only something that you can be informed of or, you know, get woke yeah. to by someone who doesn't have have it educates you and then you have to be open and like take the passenger seat and be like oh okay this is actually a real thing and once people bring it to your attention then it's kind of you choosing to see it or or not yeah and and that's the thing about it it's like you can I think kind of what the topic and idea around privilege is now is like well we just want to point it out so you can feel terrible about it and I don't think that's the case at all. Um, I think there's several conversations that can be had with privilege and none of them are supposed to be like, well, look at you, you're a terrible person. You know, how, how dare you live a life of (laughs) luxury or access or capabilities. But I think what we want to do is kind of open up the door and open up the space for people to say, okay, acknowledge it, you know, um, especially the privileges that we really truly take for granted. Like for me, my sexuality, you know, my socioeconomics, like, and my socioeconomic status, you know, my, you know, capabilities. I, I'm not in a wheelchair. I have, you know, all four of my limbs. I don't have to worry about, you know, wheelchair access or anything when I go to events or when I go out to eat. And I think, I think acknowledging it creates space for empathy it creates space to acknowledge, you know, other people and their humanity because we're not all created, you know, with the same abilities or whatever. And and I think that's okay. And we're all in different places in our stories, but I hope that people are able to step into someone's shoes for a second and create a better world for that person so that we are all able to come up to you know, see the sun on the same level instead of kicking them down (laughs) (laughs) and ignoring the systems that we need to put into play to help those people um, no matter where they're at. 
So there's two really good things that you um, just mentioned when you were talking that I wanted to like kind of touch on. One is about feeling bad about having privilege. I think that's where some of the problem lies because you mm. do feel like, okay, well, what, I don't, I didn't know that I had this. So like, yeah. what, what does that mean? What does that mean? I, it, it's not my fault. I have it and mm-hmm. I'm benefiting from it. And it is, it is easy to feel bad. And I, especially, yeah. I know with me, like with socioeconomic status, especially cause I, uh, a privilege, I come from humble means and now I do, I don't live in a life of scarcity anymore. I live a life of surplus and it, it, I feel bad. I feel like, that bad you know it makes me uncomfortable and um not that i'm like warren buffett but even when i'm <laughs> going and doing these um the quizzes and i was studying and like about privilege it's, it's not even about being warren buffett <laughs> warren buffett it's yeah. it's about these other things and it, it's it made me feel bad it, it, it did it made me feel bad and that's probably one of the reasons why i didn't want to i was having a hard time acknowledging it especially okay. because i come from like um, a humbler background. And then the second part, a thing that I wanted to mention that you hit on that was really good, um, was when you're talking about, we just want you to acknowledge, we just want you to acknowledge it, but this is the problem with acknowledging it. Now that you know, it becomes like an active choice. Mm. What are you going to do? Now you have the responsibility to bring Mm -hmm. equity to the table. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, now it kind of gets into now it is kind of your fault like you know or or you can take it that way it's like you yeah so it's it's, Mm. if you acknowledge it then you have to have the responsibility but the responsibility of fixing something that benefits you maybe you won't benefit as much anymore and that discomfort that brings like a discomfort into the situation Mm. like if i'm saying hey like let's say I'm, I'm one of the, these people that make $400,000 a year. And if somebody's introducing a tax plan that is going yeah. to make things more equitable for everybody else, well, now I have, le- you know, I have less. So that, that mm-hmm. actually to help other people, it kind of quote hurts me. Yes. And so it's like, what do you do with that? You know, it's a lot of just reconciling within yourself and who you want to be and who you are and what your responsibility is for and to other people. But I think that's one of the the hindrances for acknowledging it because then you you can't play dumb anymore. You have a responsibility. Yeah. That's, ooh, that's a very good point. And that's something that we actually talk a lot about on our podcast is like, that's the reason why a lot of people don't step into these arenas for social justice or any form of justice because they have to lose something. Like there is no, you know, getting at the end of this and having everything that you came in with. Like the whole point of equality is the fact that when you choose to, and it's not even, I hate the word level the playing field, but when you choose to look behind you and bring up people and create systems, equitable systems, then that means you have to lose something, whether that's finances, whether whether that's access, whether, whether that's, you know, privilege or even just relationships. Like, and I think that's the hardest thing to convince people to do is ask them to commit to the fight when A, they are guaranteed to lose something and B, they may not know what it is until the middle of it. But to promise them that them joining the movement, whatever that is, and helping people who are on the margins, who are the most underserved, 
actually makes it better for all of us as a, as a nation, um, as a, as humanity, it's hard for people to grasp onto that because it seems very flowery, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like, okay, really though, I've had those, um, situations like, you know, with the, with California and now we have these sort of, um, all gender restrooms. And I'm like super used to just like my little male sign, my little female sign. Like I know what's happening. I know where I'm going. And now I'm like, why are the two people on <laughs> this dang door? Like, does that mean I do go in? Or I don't like what's happening. So like there's di- these different things, there's adjustments that need to happen, you know, but you know, there's, there's a little bit of being uncomfortable and, and I think that's another thing. It's like people are so used to being comfortable. It's like if you poke the bear at all of their like being comfortable, comfortability, it's uh, it, we get an uproar, <laughs> literally. And that's what we've been seeing in the last, you know, six to seven months with yeah. the with the, you know, Black Lives Matter movement. But I also think it's important to say like, you know, as a Black woman, like, I'm not saying that I don't have any privileges, that I don't have any access at all. Like, growing up, I had a lot of access and privilege that I didn't really realize that most of the people in the Black community didn't have. And even now, living in Los Angeles, you know, being able to do the things that I am able to do, like, that's just not the norm for a lot of people. And I think there's there's this idea that if we subscribe to a certain movement, then we're saying like, oh, well, we have no privilege whatsoever. And I'm just like, no, that's not the conversation that we're having. And so, I mean, Brittany, how do you think, like, how do we, I don't even know if it's convinced people, but how do we invite people into the conversation of saying, acknowledge your privilege, accept the responsibility for change. And <laughs> good luck. <laughs> You're going to lose something and we don't know what it is and we can't guarantee. I mean. Well, okay. First of all, that's like a huge question. So I'm going to break it down that right now. Um, but what I, what I will say, and this, you know, I'm people are maybe not going to like it, but don't ask other people to do something that you're not willing to do mm-hmm. yourself. And that's where, listen, this year has sucked. Let's just keep it real. It sucks. There's a lot yeah. of things happening. I feel like all the time I'm shouting into the void. Um, I want other people to just acknowledge new things. And, but again, what I had to look back at myself, like, what am I, are there things about me that I'm not acknowledging? Or am I upset with what I'm seeing? Because some of it is like Mm. my own self, my own stuff being reflected or magnified out. Of course, not in the, not in the direct on apples to apples. Like for example, I'm not, I'm, I, I acknowledge white supremacy. That's not a, that's not a problem with me, but there's, maybe there's other things within me that I'm not acknowledging. And Mm. it really hit me when I, felt like at the beginning of all this Black Lives Matter stuff, like right after um, Amy Cooper and going to George Floyd, um, that like two week period where I felt like every, 
I had like a stock Facebook answer for everybody who's answering all that. So like, I don't know privilege. I don't get it. And I'm just like defining it, defining it, defining it. And I'm just yes. like, okay, this is all these different types of privilege. This is the privilege we're talking about today. Like walking people through. Mm-hmm. And then I just remembered that I literally have never looked into the other privileges. I know what they are. Mm-hmm. I've never looked into them as in, because I am defined and this, I don't, it sounds bad, but I don't mean it in that way, but I have by my marginalization, right? So yeah. I am a woman, I am black. I, and then I have some ageism too, cause I look young. So it's like, okay, I'm being discriminated mm-hmm. against because of my age, because of my race, because of my sex, like what's going on. I being that's so magnified that these other things are, are being diminished, but as mm-hmm. if they're not true for me. Yeah. And so I just had to flip that on its head and let me magnify these other things. Um, because I know that I know this set, this, I know race, gender, um, age is, is there, but what about these other things? Like I never even knew about able body privilege. Um, like I wouldn't think about that. I wouldn't think about how it makes no sense to not have like wherever there's stairs, there should be a ramp because people who can take, people who can walk upstairs could walk up a ramp, but people who can t- go around the ramp can't usually necessarily go up the stairs. Mm-hmm. So like something like this is very simple, you know, and, but not have, not having that perspective or not acknowledging that privilege has like discounted so many people in um, wheelchairs or um, even crutches, you know, even, um, but, but a, a simple design aesthetic, mm. you know, yes. um, and, but then for me, the one that was hardest to reconcile, which I kind of was socioeconomic privilege, again, because of my humble means, but I just truly, and because I live in California, I mean, there's all the excuses I, could, I was going to start in on too, on all the excuses of why I don't feel that way, because I come from a humble background, because I live frugally, because I live in California and everything is so expensive. So yeah. um, what might seem like a baller salary in Mississippi is really like, just middle class adjacent in LA, in LA, you know, uh, it's true. But at the end of the day, like, do I have, if, if I needed four new tires tomorrow, would that like, I would have to change between that and paying my electricity bill. No, you know, yeah. it's true. Um, it sucks. It's, it sucks to be confronted with it because again, now I have the knowledge and now I have a responsibility. What do I do with that? How am I, Am I teaching other people what I did to budget and to get out of debt? Am I sharing with people how I fought the equal pay gap, which is a whole other story? And mm-hmm. like, what am I doing with this, this benefit that I have? Like, how am I, how am I making it more equitable to people? You know, um, yeah. just educating them or um, helping them walk through, you know, their first buying the first house or whatever, you know, things like that. Yeah. So what, what am I doing with it? Um, and it, it makes me very uncomfortable. Hmm. Listen, I don't think we're promised a life of comfort. I just want a life of comfort. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. I think I cut you off. No, you didn't. I am just really resonating with what you're saying because, yeah, it it does suck. It does present its um, challenges in a way. and, and I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily because, you know, I grew up in America. Because um, I know in other country there, the countries, there is this form of elitism. But it's like, it's okay for you to not feel great all the time about everything. 
And I think it's, it's just funny because you were just saying like, we, we don't have access or we don't do these things for other people just because of these frivolous things. And we're not asking people to like become these like social justice warriors where <laughs> they're literally like standing out on the street pointing out people's privileges everywhere we go. But I think there is something beautiful and needed in all spaces, whether at home with your kids or in the corporate office or with your gardening buddies or in the classroom, there needs to be these conversations acknowledging and addressing these because if it's three people living on the margin, it's too many. And I think we are afraid to be innovative and how to solve problems and how to help other people out because we're such an individualistic society. Like it's every man for himself. (laughs) And, and it's hard to combat that. It's like, you will be okay, Bobby. If (laughs) we got rid of stairs and made everything wheelchair ramps, just so we can make this more accessible for people who can't use their legs. But I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> well, you're so funny, Joy. It, it's true. It's it'll be okay. It people don't like like we're we've had on this a couple of times, but people just don't like their status quo to be threatened or shaken, mm-hmm. and rightly or wrongly, it's it's true. It, people don't like that, and so until people are comfortable being uncomfortable or in comfortable like understanding that yes, personal responsibility, individualism have a place in our society, Mm. but community it's, it's community. It's communal. It's too extreme. It's always personal responsibility and individualism and it's not Mm. enough community. I don't know if community is seen as weakness or um, like what the mental blocks are about why community is not uh, valued but yeah. I, I, there's probably some some smarter person who's listening to, <laughs> listen to this can come and let me know. Yeah. But um, I, I think that's the problem is it because it's too much personal responsibility, individualism. It's like taking that Puritan work ethic, like to the extreme, but not putting enough Quaker community, you know, <laughs> involved. Like we need a little less Puritan, a little bit more Quaker. Yeah. I think there's an African proverb, um, and I was reminded of it today or this weekend um, from an organization that I volunteer for. But the African proverb says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And we have a lot of people going really, really, really fast right now. And they're out in the middle of the desert like, where is everybody? (laughs) I get that. I get that. I'm... And so, yeah, it's just, it's so interesting because I'll be honest, I forget about community. <laughs> yeah. Well, as someone who's an introvert and doesn't like to be around people, I definitely forget <laughs> about community. I'm like, get away from me. But no, you truly, you, you need to. And, um, I, and I'll give an example. So again, going back to my, I, I've gotten past like the savings, uh, the emergency fund and all of that. And so now I'm kind of like, oh, well, what do I do? I've gone fast, right? Because I paid off my debt quickly, blah, blah, blah. And I can't go any further because I've come to the end of myself. So I'm I'm having to like reach out to other people and like 
under and see what they're doing and how they got into maybe like some investing or financial planning or retirement planning. And so mm-hmm. I need if these other people hadn't gone before me and I didn't I That's need the good. community. I I I cannot. I've gone fast. I got yeah. fast to debt free. I've gotten fast to emergency funds. I wouldn't go any further if I didn't yeah. have the community of people that have gone before me. So there you go, right there. Like you, That's good. And that, I mean, and be, you sacrificed a lot to go as fast as you did. You know, it wasn't like she won the lotto now. She, oh, she <laughs> yeah. Like Brittany is, she was not playing around, you know? Um, and so it was very fun to see her in that. And I knew you were the kind of person that would turn around and be like, okay, like, how can I help those around me? And how can I connect those who are going before me? And I think that's a cool thing, but I don't know. I that's just not built into a lot of people's, I guess, consciousness. <laughs> yeah, it's true, and it, that's a little bit of like character and like Christ in me and stuff, and just like how I grew up. Because I feel like all I did, and whether it applied to finances or anything, is I cultivated some belief in myself. I walked that belief out, called action, and mm-hmm. then when I came up to obstacles, I just like persevered. So really it's belief, action, and perseverance. You can apply that to anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like wanting to let people know I, I'm literally, I'm not special. I did these three things mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can do it too. And like, why not you? Like you don't have to, it, it could be anything. Um, it could be weight loss. It could be finance, anything, truly just belief, action, perseverance. And, and I mean, true perseverance. Like when I got to a brick wall, if I, if I had a sledgehammer that worked, okay. And like the next wall was metal, I'm going at it with a sledgehammer. That doesn't work. I'm getting a di- different tool. So I yeah. just kept going. Um, and I want other people to believe, to believe in themselves as well and walk that belief out and that's the whole reason why that I, and I'm like, well, maybe people see the end results. I'm like trying to be open about the journey now so they can see what I was actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's more just how I was raised and how my belief system and all of that. But, um, uh, if other people believe, I think if other people believed in them themselves and they would want everybody to believe, like when they would want everyone to do it. Friends, we hope that you are enjoying this episode of We Are the Middle. Don't forget, we are on social media. So for more information about our show, follow us on Instagram. You can find us at We Are the Middle Show and and on Twitter, We Are the Middle underscore. Now back to the show. Mm, that's true. That's very true. And I think and I think you're a great example of someone who, um, you know, worked hard, you know, was on the grind for a long time. But you came to a point where you're like, I want to make sure that other people, you know, can see like that this is possible. And I think that's a huge part. And we're just going back to community. It's like, you can work so hard and do so many things, like, but there will be a point where you will need someone just to pull you up, whether it's an encouraging word to keep going or just, you know, showing you the different directions. And that's, that's what privilege is. The privilege is stepping into that space for another person and allowing them access 
wherever they are in the journey. And you can have a lot of privilege, you can have a little bit of privilege, but use that privilege to help other people. You know, this world, this planet has 7 billion people and we all don't live in a vacuum. Everything that we do affects another person. Right. Every decision that we make. And I think it's important to value other people wherever they are in their journey. And, you know, and it's good because you're an example, like when you were like becoming debt-free, I was like, okay, you know, she, she did it. Like, I know your background. I know that from your upbringing, you worked hard, you went to college, like you were first generation college student, like all these different things. So it's possible. And so that is just a testimony to like why we need people to take responsibility and ask those hard questions of themselves. And, and, and it's easy. Like you can easily wake up tomorrow and be like, I don't even have the energy. And especially in a year like this, like, <laughs> like I will finish this box of Oreos in my bed before I do anything about my privilege because I don't care. And it's, it's an ongoing conversation and I, and it's not a perfect journey. No. Like, I think there's people out there who are very self-righteous who are like, I know everything about privilege and I'm all about pointing it out in other people. And I'm like, go sit over there. Just go sit down. Yeah, that person was me in May with George Floyd and Amy Cooper. Amy Cooper, for those of you guys who've like, 2020 has been too much and you don't remember who she was. She was the one that called the um, cops in the in Central Park on Chris Cooper. And she, mm-hmm. because of her dog, was she was doing the wrong thing and then got called out by a black man and then called white women tears and um showed everybody that oh these people know what they're doing yeah (laughs) Um, outside that moment um so that was me (laughs) don't want to get it too hot in here um but yes that was me (laughs) in may because i was running around screaming to everyone like you need to acknowledge white privilege what's wrong with you and then Mm. like oh maybe i should acknowledge my own privilege Mm, so listen i have no problem this year has been it's been an external and internal reckoning but i think that's what it was needed yeah there are people that are self-righteous out there that are running around saying that they know everything about privilege and then you're like oh wait just kidding (laughs) (laughs) and our friend said you better check yourself before you wreck yourself yeah that was a lot of that is going on a lot of that is going on here Yes. And, and not only that, like, I mean, when everything started going down, it was, <laughs> it was, it literally felt like the end of days. <laughs> like, where do I find a cave somewhere? Cause I just need to like hang out and disappear for a while. But I just remember conversations that I was having with like different people and I'm just like, their privilege was staring them like, in between their eyeballs i'm like you seriously you seriously don't see it i see it like (laughs) that's the thing you 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 can't see it until you're awakened to it you have to be open to listen it's true and it's not something that you you know you have until you don't have it or you know i mean it's not something 
it's not tangible. It's all of this stuff. It's so deep and so heavy this year because it's like, it's all intangible. It's all, all Mm. subconscious. It's all woven into the fabric of the history of our country. And in some parts, like the, the world at large, um, some of it traces back to, you know, biblical like ties and stuff. So it's, it's not like, this isn't going to be solved in like some legislative, like, like one or two legislative moments. Like this mm. is so deep and it go, I mean, you can, you think you've gotten to a, a, like the bottom layer and you can just keep going. You know, you yeah. keep going. So it's, it's very layered. And I know we're kind of adding some levity to it, but we want to acknowledge like it's layered. It's complicated. Um, yeah. But, but and it's, it's real. It's real though. It's a real, and it's a journey. Like, and that's okay. You have, you have the space and we're not saying like, okay, <laughs> now that, you know, we we're pointing this out, like you need to be the most woke person right. in, in your circle because no, that's just annoying and useless. And I also, I, I want to point out that like, even though maybe you or it's I or whomever didn't have access to certain privileges, like we can still do and accomplish things despite that. Um, it's a more beautiful world, uh, you know, cohesive world when we are all connecting with each other. And there's, I, I, I think that really speaks into the scarcity mindset, which I really didn't know about until I started reading Brene Brown's books and how we interact with each other with a scarcity mindset, like not believing that there's enough pie for everybody. And so you hoard the pie. And it's hard to combat that in an isolated environment. And I think that's where community comes back into play, a healthy community that is allowing you the space and safety to let go of that mindset. But it's just so interesting because, I mean, I... Do I do an active survey of my privileges, you know, especially as a Black woman in America, you know? Uh, no, probably not. I would probably get a D on that quiz. But when the opportunity arises itself, arises, like, do I give myself the responsibility? I try to, you know? Um, there's moments where it's just like, I'm just done. I've hit my dang limit, like, get me off this earth. (laughs) Get me out of this country, get me out of this city. But I think it's a place that you kind of come home to. You know, I don't want people to always feel attacked because it's easy to feel attacked and it's easy to attack others. And I was in attack mode, like, in April, pretty much up until now. But that's why I was like, I need to jump off of social media before this election. Oh, yeah. Lord have mercy. But I I think we have to allow people the opportunity to come back to that space and that place. That is, Um, yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's a journey. That's all I was going to say. Um, two quick things that I thought of when you were talking. The first is kind of, le- it's a little bit lighter, but you know, you're saying you have to get off social. It's like everyone's shouting and stuff. I just, I tweeted something yesterday and said, I'm a hundred percent sure that 63% of my mental health struggles this year is because I'm on Twitter. And it's like, <laughs> because I get, I use Twitter for the news. Like, can I just yeah. be more millennial? You know, like I don't like go to New York times and go to Twitter. It gives me everything. And I'm just like, 
I need to find, if I just found like another place to get my news, <laughs> I think I'd be okay. Even with my keyword suppression, like it's not working. And, oh, like, no. I, like, at minimum, 63% of my mental health issues to deal with yes. the fact that I have to get on this thing. So I need to like maybe subscribe to the AP before the election because I can't be on between now and like the end of the year. So that's the first <laughs> thing. And then second, what you talked about really, uh, I something just like clicked inside of me when you talked about scarcity mindset and why people don't want to acknowledge your privilege, they don't want to take the responsibility and you went on that train and you were talking about fear. And I was thinking these are all just like extreme manifestations of, of fear, you know, mm. all of it, you know, racism, all of the isms yes, are just extreme manifest manifestations of fear, which is crazy. Fear can do you know, yeah. crazy things, but it is. And, it's like, if these people get something, I won't. And but who told you that? And yeah. I, who told you that is a question. Um, you guys know Beth Moore. She's a Bible teacher. She asked this question in one of her Bible studies. And it really, it's, you ask yourself every time you, you take a thought and you go, who told you that? And then you just keep going, who told you that? Or who told that person that? So you really trace back like how you cultivated your beliefs Mm -hmm. and where they come from and I believe if someone said who told you that if if like for example student loan if student loan debt is erased okay what does that mean like and who why why is that a problem <laughs> why is that a problem yeah. who told you that is there less now something to go around what what do you think is less to go around now and why do you think that who told you that where did yeah. that person get it from? Like, go back to the source. And is it is it valid at the end of the day? And I think if people, these questions of scarcity, if people got to the root of where they got that information from or why they cultivated that belief, it might change, you know, it might change their, their mind. Mm, that's a good and, word. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm done. I, my entire life is left to this moment. I am done. <laughs> <laughs> that is the end of our podcast. Yeah. Thank you very much. I will be retiring. I just sent an email to my boss. I'm done. There you go. I peaked. You're, I peaked. You're gonna go to like <laughs> Nepal and hang out in a Tibetan. Yes, I am now a Tibetan monk. Thank you very much. Um, oh, that's so interesting. Yes. Oh my gosh. Who told you that? You know we can apply this to every social justice issue we're going through this year. Like who told you that if black people have equality in this country, then that means more taxes for everybody. And <laughs> yeah, who told you that? Who told, who told, you told that? that person that, you who know, like that person that? where did that, where's the, where's the root of that thought, you know? Yeah. And is the root valid? That's very true. I know part of the conversations I've been having is a lot of people can't separate protesters from looters. Oh, God, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> I need to drink water. <laughs> it's like, we're now going to take a break. Um, <laughs> Brittany has had a meltdown. <laughs> and I think these conversations, and this is, this is off topic, but on topic. Like when you think about the root things, it's like, if you have a conversation, like, can you separate these two things in your mind? Like protesters, peaceful protesters, and then people causing damage, going crazy, 
robbing, all of that. Who told you that those two have to be the same thing? And I'm just like, I'm impressed how people, when they honestly are faced with that question, can't, can't give you an answer. They're like, well, well, that's what they were doing. They were protesting. And then they, and I'm like, I was at the protest in LA. Mm-hmm. It was a, a very peaceful protest. I left. I did not raid Target or <laughs> any other things. Like you can't, it's okay for you to hold those two things. And I think we're very simple people when it comes down to it. It's very hard to hold complexities because the truth usually hurts. And the truth actually, I think I read somewhere that, oh yeah, in the in Social Dilemma, y'all, Social Dilemma on Netflix. It's a documentary. I know everyone's talking about it. But they say that lies travel six times faster than truth. If if we are asking ourselves, who told you that? Or where did you get that? I think that opens the door for conversations about an equitable society but we we can't even ask that question now it's true i mean no one's like we're not here to like like that who told you that can be applied to literally anything yeah. it can be like i don't think i'm smart enough who told you that mm-hmm. you know you know you can apply it to literally it has nothing it's not it's not um only applies to social justice it, it applies to anything. So, yeah, I just want to make sure people don't conflate the two. Um, I want to talk about, you said peaceful protests. I can't talk about, I get, like, too crazy, so I'm going to, like, try to keep it, like, in a very narrow focus here. Um, when you talk about, like, peaceful protests versus rioting, the term itself, peaceful protest, I think is ridiculous and, like, an oxymoron. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. pe- like, protests are just, by nature, what they are, are not... Uh, not they're supposed to be violent, but they're not, they're not about peace. They're about taking the status quo mm. and disrupting it. And they're about causing a disruption. Like we're yeah. saying, we don't like what's going on. And so we're going to, to showcase that in a way, in a non-violent, non-destructive. So disruptive, yeah. yes, but destructive, no. And it's so funny. It's the concept of negative peace. So Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. talks about this. It's a bigger concept, but it's basically like, we're we're accepting um like the absence of tension so even that we're like Ooh. trying to like make it okay for people like okay it's a peaceful protest no no it's a freaking po- protest where we're gonna say we're gonna be disruptive oh you can't drive down the street right now that is the point <laughs> like, yeah. it's, like it's a it's um I'm getting too hot I'm like let me calm down but that's the whole point it's like it, it's not there's no such thing as, as peaceful protest and it, we're doing yeah. so much to pacify people to to uphold this privilege and to keep them comfortable and it's like we're not for what like it's not helping you know it's it's not going to get us anywhere it but there is that balance of understanding people are on a journey not everyone's going to wake up at the same time there's deeper roots of scarcity and fear and Mm. where did who told you that and then also being like okay well we also got to do something <laughs> at the same yeah. time, you know, it's, it's living in that, ba- that balance, that tension, you know, and sometimes that scale is, t- you know, it's, t- I think it's been tipped too much on the negative piece side personally for too yeah. long. And I think that's why it felt like this year, a huge boulder was put on the other side. 
Mm, because good. it was like it's too much. Like it just it just flipped so fast and it felt heavy. It felt heavy. Yeah. Oh, and that is a good conversation. And and just going back to like, I love that question. Like, who told you that? Like, our show is all about like introspection, you know, of finding a place within yourself to ask the hard questions, but also stepping into another person's shoes. Um, and I think that really, I mean, that is a good question when it comes to interpersonal uh, engagements and interactions, because I've been challenged this year with some of my biases, you know, like, are all Republicans racist? <laughs> 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 or are all the people this, are all these, these people that? And yeah, when you kind of group people together, when you create this narrative in your mind about certain things, ideas, aspects, whatever, and especially if that thought or idea is rooted in fear, that is crazy destructive. And we've seen that over and over in, in our history, how leaders or countries or dictatorships created this narrative about certain people, about ideas, about even like if this group of people accomplish this then you lose your privilege right and then that creates fear in people's minds and so they they adapt and they accept these narratives about these other people at which point they're able to dehumanize them and from that point you we've seen that we've seen the holocaust we've seen paul pot and what he's done like we've seen rwanda uh, genocide, genocide. Like we've seen what goes on all around the world when people easily accept these narratives. And so if we can ask that question, like who told you that? Yeah. <laughs> Both it, on an individual level, on a societal level, uh, on a national level, global level, I think that will allow us to have some conversations that we need to have. Yeah. So... Lord help us. Yeah. <laughs> so my question for you is, what is there any particular category where you're going to ask yourself, like, who told you that? Um, yes, I do that a lot. Um, just kidding. I don't do that a lot <laughs> because I don't want to be confronted with the truth. Listen, I got, I'm already trying to just like cope with a year. I can't, I can't, I can't like have to do work on my own self. What do you mean? Um, no, there, ever since I read that, that, uh, that study and I've done it more than one time. Yeah. I, I asked myself, who told you that? Um, why do I think this? Is this true? Um, at the core of it, um, and what am I going to do? It's so uncomfortable. Like introspection is so uncomfortable. It's so <laughs> uncomfortable, especially if you want to be better. You know, self awareness is great, but if you want to like now work to be better, um, it's uncomfortable. But I do. I, I'm asking myself that. That's how I. I I came up with uh, when we were talking about topics to discuss on the podcast, it was out of that who told you that and me really just kind of being confronted with some socioeconomic privilege that led to even that me just rooming, like kind of um, letting that roll around in my head and just, mm. I'm trying to actively like um, 
I do this thing where I call recognize, acknowledge, and then um, either like eradicate or whatever. So it's like some, I'm, I'm trying, I, that's like one of the, pra- the prayers I always have, like, Lord, please help me recognize. And so there's a difference between recognizing and acknowledge, right? So I can recognize mm-hmm. something and then I'm like, let's slide past the moment and like keep moving. <laughs> and so it's like recognize and then acknowledge it, you know, um, which is a huge thing. And then whatever I need, like, do I need to erase, you know, work to erase this? Or is it something I want to keep doing? Well, it's not always bad things. I don't want this to seem yeah. like it's such a downer podcast. It's not all bad. Um, sometimes it's good. And I'm like, oh, let me keep, keep doing it, you know, keep, mm-hmm. keep adding to that. So yeah, who told you that? It's a good question. It's a, it's a very um, simple question, but it's a great yeah. one. It's a great one. She actually has five recalibrating questions. I think they're all really good. She calls them recalibrating to help you like get back on, like check your own self. Um, but that one is my favorite. Who told you that? I love that one. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, yeah, friends, let's start asking ourselves, who told you that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Brittany, thank you so, so much for joining me in this awesome um, episode of We Are the Middle. And uh, yeah, I hope to have you back on, friend. Thanks. Thank you so much for your time. Loved it. In light of hearing this episode, what do I think now or what am I led to think or believe? For those who are part of a marginalized community, how do you reconcile the tension between marginalization and privileges within yourself?